Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Ireland is home to hundreds of golf courses, including a third of the world's natural links courses. We boast some incredible offerings here in some of the most breathtaking locations. So it's no wonder that player numbers have swelled to over 500,000 in the last two years. But do the numbers really tell the full story about Irish golf? I'm delighted to be joined by four people who I think I'll know the answer to that question. Um, joining us today is Peter Laurie of the Spawell Golf Academy. Academy. Um, Marty Carr is here from Carr Golf Travel. Um, our own off the balls Nathan Murphy joins us. Uh, he also uh, uh, does a weekly uh, podcast on golf. And Anne McCormack, the Chief Operations Officer at Golf Ireland, uh, is also with us. Anne, we might start with you. Maybe you'd set the scene for us if you would about Irish golf give us some numbers around how many people are playing how important it is to the economy etc yeah i mean we've we've um, just come through an incredible year i think you know we're seeing membership numbers grow um post pandemic and um, we've currently got 220,000 members um across the island of ireland and we know that through the participation surveys there's approximately 540,000 adults playing so um, I thought it's a really healthy figure. We've got some amazing professionals. Um, obviously, it's great success. We've had 11 wins on tour this year. Um, and, you know, having three Irish women touring professionals is, is just phenomenal. So I think Irish golf's in a very, very healthy space. Um, and, yeah, lots to look forward to. Yeah. And that figure of 500,000, it seems like an incredibly high figure in a population of whatever, five-odd million, No. Yeah, I mean, well, look, we haven't converted them all to membership just yet, um, but we do know um, from those RNA participation surveys that um, there's an additional 300,000 playing. So, you know, they're using the likes of um, Spawell, they've got green fees, they're in societies. Um, and I think it's really a testament that golf is reaching audiences that perhaps they wouldn't have been years ago. Um, it's becoming a little bit more of the norm. It's becoming a lot more popular. Um, we've just run an influencer campaign throughout the summer, and I think... Uh, we're really seeing different audiences being attracted to golf, um, not necessarily wanting to become members necessarily, but really interested and engaged. Okay. And seeing it for what it is, it's such a sociable event, so much benefits for your health. Um, and I think people are just really seeing um, all that there is to offer. All right. You clearly haven't had a bad day on the golf course like I have. Let's bring in our <laughs> next guest, Peter Laurie of the Spawell Golf Academy. Peter, how are you? Hey, Bobby, how are you? Tell us about the spa well, and what you do out there, Peter. Uh, well, we, we pretty much are very close to a pub, Bobby. Uh, we have so many different people coming in. Um, during COVID times, we were open, thankfully, because we were one of those outdoor sports. Um, so we saw a huge increase in people coming into the driving range um, to hit balls, to get out of the house. So COVID has been wonderful for golf, unfortunately, not so good in other areas. But um, the participation rates, as Anne says, has increased dramatically. Um, but we've seen a fall off now lately of that. Uh, people okay. are going back to different sports and stuff like that. So. so obviously, when you talk about COVID there, Peter, you know, it's an outdoor game. The social distancing was good. So it was, a, it, was a, it was something people could do when they couldn't do lots of other things. So the numbers were up as a result of that. But you're, you're saying now that there maybe is a bit of a fall off. But is that not to be expected? 
I, I, I would have thought so. I think uh, um, all those people who have taken up golf, um, we're going to see maybe if we can convert 10%, we've done exceptionally well, I would have said. Um, you know, this, the sales of starter sets went through the roof. People couldn't get their hands on starter sets um, during COVID times. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I, definitely, we're going to see a, a, probably a decrease now going forward. And just before I bring in our two guests here that are with us here in studio, have we too many golf courses in Ireland, in your view, Peter? Um, I, I would have said yes in the past, but during COVID, I would have said no. But going forward, possibly. Um, I think a lot could amalgamate together um, and they would probably cut costs in, in certain areas. Um, your, 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 the other panellists there, Marty, would know you know better than I would in relation to... Um, how how the golf courses are run, um, but you, you, we we just see probably too many golf courses in too many built up areas. Well, let's bring Marty in, uh, Marty Carr of Carr Golf Travel. Marty, you're very welcome to the program. Thanks, Bobby. Um, your business is interesting because you're in the golf business per se, but you're in different strands of it really you're bringing in Americans to this country to play golf you're also maintaining golf courses across the country so you probably see you're probably a good man to talk to in terms of the the ebb and flow of the sport yeah I mean the the the, the golf business has as 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 Peter and Anne have said has, has gone through a, a kind of renaissance when when with 2019 I mean basically the membership market was stagnant there was no joining fees COVID hit and it was it was mandated that you had to be a member of a golf club to play, and that was that was manna from heaven. So everybody started joining golf courses. There's nothing else you could do. And to be honest, with you, we have seen that certainly in 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 2021 uh, there was there was you know there was the peak peak year in terms of golf rounds. Members have gone from playing 12, 12 rounds a year to 25 rounds a year. That's all settling down. We saw rounds this year across our portfolio courses down around 25%. Members were playing 25% less this year than they did last year. I think a lot of people, and myself included here, don't do the maths when it comes to, yeah. to golf membership. But I were right in saying that? Yeah, well, because you, don't want to, you really don't want to see how much every round has actually cost you. Well, you actually had a perfect <laughs> storm because you had a whole load of new members joining courses and the existing members were playing twice as much. So you yeah. couldn't get on timesheets. So it wasn't a very easy... Uh, we uh, are near easy, easy period to manage golf, but I think it's settling down and it's getting back to to, to pre COVID levels. And just before I bring Nathan Murphy in from off the ball, what about the the product that we have on offer here, particularly for the American market? They generally play Parklands, if I'm right in saying. They don't really so the, the links courses as we have here are a really big experience for them. It's a total disconnect between the domestic product and the what I call the trophy links <laughs> courses. So there's 25 to 30 trophy links courses and that's pushing the number. And um, the rates are, are totally disproportionate to the Irish rate. The demand is insatiable. There was a huge amount of carried forward business. Bookings for next year are off the charts. Literally, tee times are pretty much booked out at all the top courses and people are now starting to book 2024. So from a tourism perspective, the high-end American market the one danger is is that the pricing is getting yeah. uh, very high and we become a one-trick pony, which means the US market is probably the only one who's going to have the appetite to pay. And just before I go to Nathan, do many of these Americans also do Scotland on the same they trip? Do. They do, yeah. So there's a price comparison there. In other words, they'll benchmark us 
in, in terms of how, what, yeah. how affordable or otherwise the Scottish market might be. 50% of the people, 50% of our business will be in sterling related business. So so the people that come here go to Scotland. It's, it's, it's Interesting. Nathan, sorry for being so long and getting to you. Uh, your weekly podcast that uh, I know that there's huge listenership figures. Well, what's your take on golf? You're a golfer yourself. You know, you're talking to golfers every week. Um, as a business, I, I think it's 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 quite a fascinating uh, topic. Yeah, I think there's so many different strands to it. I think, as Marty's saying there, like the market that is coming in, like the offering that we have is exceptional. If you look at the southwest at the moment, where I'd imagine a lot of Americans fly into Shannon, they can stay in a Dare Manor, a Ryder Cup course in 2027. Within an hour, you have La Hinch, Doombeg, Ballybunion, Waterville, Tralee, some of the best courses in the world. And also, I think what probably Adair Manor has done is driven the other resort courses. So you've seen an investment in the K Club. You're seeing in Drew's Glen at the moment at Mount Juliet. So you can get the best of everything for people coming into the country. I think it is that domestic market of like the boom that golf has gone through through COVID is incredible after years of steady decline. And it's interesting to hear Marty and Peter say it's starting to sort of ease off. And I'm like you, Bobby, I I rejoined the club uh, during COVID. And now life is back to normal. You're going, getting out for the five, six hours on a Saturday is becoming <laughs> yeah, yeah, that yeah. little bit more difficult. And the especially, problem, I think... Especially with two young boys. Well, exactly. Yeah, if I, I need to get them into it as well. But like I, uh, talking to people around the Dublin clubs, uh, the member clubs, I think most of them still have a waiting list of people trying to get in. But it's going to come to a pinch point, I think, where yeah. costs are rising massively for the clubs. Membership prices are starting to go up again and how they get that balance of actually keeping the people who've joined. You can really test, I suppose, the barometer of the economy around golf club membership. Like when things went bad in 2008, 2009, all the entry, you know, the hello money to join courses, that all disappeared. Yeah. I see that starting to come back yeah. again now. Have you a view on that, Marty? Yeah, no, I think I think it is starting to come back, but I, I do think there's a softness in the market, and I do think the clubs do face a challenge in terms of costs. I mean, if you think of all the fertilizers, all the machinery comes from the Ukraine and Russia. There's 18 months to get machinery now, and you know there's been three price increases alone on fertilizers this year, and one more to come. So, I think the clubs are, you know, I think the jury's out in terms of retention numbers, given the, given the inflation and the pressure people are under spending wise. So whether they renew when they start evaluating how many times they played and obviously different types of courses but I think the clubs are in for they need they need to certainly watch what's going on because you know costs are soaring hate you know recruitment is an issue catering is an issue you know I think I think I think you know clubs need to proceed with caution and what about the value of something like the Open in 2025 the Ryder Cup in 2027 these big golf events these big international events while the economics of them on a one-off basis is clearly obvious has been really valuable in terms of the longevity of the sport how important are these big events yeah i mean they're huge um you know we've there was a huge amount of work done to the build-up um to the open that was held in port rush a few years ago there was a lot done around participation particularly around juniors um, and we can really see that now starting to come to light. Um, you know, further down, we, we did a lot of um, recruitment programs at the time, and now we're working with the clubs to retain those new members. Um, and just from the earlier discussion that was being had um, in terms of drop-off in numbers, um, you know, we, do, we obviously don't know the data just yet, but there's a, there's a lot of work being done directly with clubs um, through Golf Ireland staff in terms of, you know, working with them on how to retain. How can we um, cost save? We're working with the other unions, um, England, Scotland and Wales, we're working with the RNA and the PGA um, in order to identify ways that we can really 
try and keep these members and it's the same for anything so if we're building for the likes of the Ryder Cup coming um, let's try and make everything as sustainable as possible um, because there's no point as you say something just coming in and the fleeting um, and then it being great for one year we really want to build and make sure that everything that there's a legacy there and, that, and you'll see that that's part of our strategy that we launched earlier this year And when I have you there can I ask you about uh, the participation of women in golf I know we've got some great ambassadors now like Leona Maguire but have we done enough as a society to make golf really you know a, a gender neutral sport that it's open to everybody and everybody can p- participate at the same level yeah, I mean, one of our flagship participation um, programs is, is our Get Into Golf for Women's program. And, and we're seeing year on year that that's just going from strength to strength. Um, you know, Golf Ireland, I suppose, becoming that single organization has really helped the discussion around gender within clubs. Um, so while I think there's always been um, women very interested in golf, when they come to the club, it's not always that, I suppose, appealing. So we've been really working with clubs over the last 10 years in how to make it more appealing. But equally, with the launch of Golf Ireland, it means that there's stronger structures in place. So we now have over 200 clubs that have signed up to the Women in Golf Charter. Um, And that's not only just trying to attract more women to play the game, it's also trying to attract that we've got female voices um, in in leadership positions so that they're sitting on the management committees, that females have equal access to timesheets. And whilst this may all sound like simplistic things that probably should have happened years ago, it didn't. Um, But we're in a really positive space. People want to be engaged in the conversation. They're seeking support. And the support is there, and I think that's the key. Would you have a view on that, Peter Laurie? I, I think Anne is right. I think uh, um, like we see so many ladies coming into um, to, to into the spa well to you know hone their games um, to try and get lessons. Group lessons have gone through the roof um, in, in relation to people signing up for them and stuff like that. Um, junior golf is probably not as relevant in a driving range than it would be as in a, a, a golf club because it's just you know your dad brings you down to play. But we're starting to see a little bit more in the relation to the junior golf coming through. Um, yeah. So yeah, look, you know, uh, as Anne says, you know, golf is is, is very strong, but uh, I would have to agree with Marty. Um, I think we're in for a little bit of a tough ride next year. Right. Um, maybe on that note, Marty, um, you talked about your your you know one side of your business, the bit that is managing golf courses. You talked about the increase in costs. Um, what about? Uh, and I think all our guests have mentioned that maybe the memberships are under strain. Like, will this, there was talk of earlier there of consolidation within courses, but it's difficult to consolidate a course that's in Dublin and with one that's in Kildare. They're, they're, they don't have much in common. Yeah, I, look, I, I, I would agree. I think it's all about location at the end of the day. Some Some of the courses that have been built were ill-conceived. I think a lot of courses that were struggling and hanging on by a thread were saved by COVID. I think we'll probably return to pre-COVID levels. I think I think Anna's right. I think it's all about membership retention and that's about, you know, communicating with the memberships, providing, creating a lifestyle at the golf club. It's not just a game of golf, changing the back of the car. Uh, and we do need to try and hang on to as many of these people who rediscovered golf over the last couple of years. But I do believe that... Um, some of the courses probably do need to consolidate. That, you know, that, that, that's something that we looked at after the after the crash uh, in in two thousand and ten. Uh, yeah. Around that period, we did we did a conference called the Road to Recovery, and it was all about consolidation. There's also economies of scale. You know, courses working together. You have all these small micro businesses 
doing the same thing themselves, you know, and that's one of the reasons why we got into the to the it, maintenance it, it's business. It's sort of interesting as well that if you look at, you know, the land value of things, you look at Ellen Park and you look at, yeah. you know, some of these golf courses that are there for um, so many years and the, the value as something else put, must put also yeah. bring its own pressure in, or, in, or in terms of bringing about their survival. Have you a view on that, Nathan? Well, I think there's so many clubs in Dublin in particular and there's countless anecdotal stories of insane money being offered yeah. to golf clubs and some of them have taken it and some of them haven't and members have a decision to make. I think for a lot of those clubs, members have been there for years. They can walk down to the club. It's still a social side as well and I think that's maybe one of the most interesting things of what happens when we're talking about getting new people, whether it's different demographics or more women into golf. Like, golf Golf in Ireland is still, it feels, a sport first with a social side attached, whereas yeah. I think if you look at America now, it is social first yeah. and golf is a part of it. So off course golf in America, I don't know if you've seen this, Bobby, with top golf in America, it is insane what is going on. Well, I have actually, and that's one of the, and I, I didn't play golf for 25 years and I'm recently back to it. And I actually played in the States and the difference between how the Americans go out to play golf. I was quite staggered by it. That that it was, they were all drinking Drinking, at the start, uh, Uh, everybody in buggies. And it was almost, the golf was almost just a, well, it was, while it was important, but it was much more. Now, not that we don't, like it's social here as well, Mm. because I think it's a lovely way to, like even if you, if you park the actual skills of the sport, but to go out and walk the land, so to speak, with four people that you're friendly with or even maybe that you don't even know, it's a lovely way to spend a couple of hours. It is, but it's it, you'd be doing well to have it just as a couple of hours yeah. is still yeah, yeah, the problem yeah. for golf. Whereas you look at something like <clears throat> Top Golf in America, and the, de- the breakdown in America is that it goes into three of people who play off-course golf, on-course golf, and then the same amount who play both. So off-course golf is what Peter's doing out in the spa well, but it's... I guess the spa well on, st- on steroids in that it is alcohol, food, yeah. music, yeah. Uh, movies on. You can sit and watch a match while you play a bit of golf. And the amount of people playing that is increasing dramatically. Now, a huge percentage of them then go on to take up golf yeah. and jo- and have a membership. But <clears throat> we don't have that culture as of yet in Ireland of just going to the driving range on a Friday night with Eddie or mates sitting around for two yeah, or three hours. Maybe we'd ask Peter about that. Peter, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I was probably the first to bring in Top Tracer, which is the sort of the little brother of of, of Top Golf, um, into the spa. Well, it, it, it's something that I've looked into bringing into Ireland. Unfortunately, you know the weather; we don't really have it, so not too many people want to be sitting out in the winter's more in the winter's night. But I think the 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 opportunity is there, um, for people who want that sort of. The, the the aspect of golf, the more social aspect of golf. Yeah. Um, like it, it, our our top tracer is very busy. People coming in, they want to play different golf courses. They don't want to just practice. They want to be you know entertained. And I think you know that's where golf has to go. It has to go into the entertainment business. Yeah. And not just you know hitting a white ball around. And field. what you're probably saying as well, Peter, is that I suppose the opportunities around that are also brought. They come back to location where you actually are. You're lucky enough to be in an area there with a with a lot of chimney pots around you. So even it, within the locality, people can walk in and out, or there's good public transport there. The same might not not be evident, you know, in in a more rural golf setting. It, absolutely, Bobby. You know, we, you just you're not going to get it in a rural setting. You know, with chimney pots around you, you say you can walk to the place, you can get a taxi, bus, whatever it may be, um, and that and that's the way forward. Yeah, golf courses that are you know, 
in the middle of nowhere will always find it difficult to survive um, because, you know, drink driving laws, etc., uh, getting to and from the golf course is always going to be more difficult. Yeah, yeah very interesting. Uh, Marty, maybe last word to you in terms of, uh, the, and I know you look at it through multiple prisms, but the future of golf in Ireland, I would have to say, given our stock and given what we have here internationally, I think we'd have to be reasonably happy that we're in a good place, are we not? I think it's I think it's very, very uh, exciting what's happening, particularly on the tourism front. I mean, there's an insatiable appetite to come over here and play golf and enjoy the crack and, um, you know, play some of the most incredible golf courses. And along may that continue. I think the likes of Adair Manor coming on stream, the JP Pro-Am, the, the British Open in Port Rush, the Ryder Cup coming in. It gives this continuous ability to keep talking about Irish golf and keeping it at the forefront. You know Shane Lowry and Rory and 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 yeah. and, 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 and that's important Leona too, isn't there. it? It's just this constant, yeah. this constant presence of Irish golf. We punch way, way above our weight, and uh, long may it continue. Nathan, I saw your two young lads outside. Um, have they uh, been brought onto the course yet? I'm already enough of a taxi driver as it is. I go to the golf course for a little bit of peace and quiet and relaxation. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think most of the clubs now have such brilliant junior schemes. I think this summer they're uh, they're going to be out there whether they like it or not. All right. Well, look, it's been a fascinating discussion. I thank all my guests uh, for your contribution to Nathan Murphy from the Golf Weekly podcast here at Off the Ball. Peter Laurie out there in the spa. Well, thank you, Peter. Marty Carr of Carr Golf Travel and indeed Anne McCormick, the Chief Operations Officer at Golf Ireland. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.